no more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World, the first episode that we are doing in the year 2019. Ralph, how are you doing? I am terrified. Absolutely terrified. I actually did think the world was going to end in 2018. Didn't happen. So I guess we're good, but I'm, I'm absolutely terrified to be back uh, with this uh, fun adventure that we're on to try to figure out uh, the connections between how close we are to the abyss and where we are now. So I think I think one of the signs of the abyss, by the way, I was going to mention is uh, Netflix is raising their prices. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's yeah. that's going to make everybody freak out. I, I just thought like, about the is, uh, in, yeah. inelasticity of demand in my class. But how, oh, how this actually what did, t- what did you tell them? Well, basically, it's so so in my intro to ad class, you know, one of the first things we're going to go over is what is a brand and why brands matter and what value they have. And one of the reasons that you want to build a strong brand is is the stronger the brand is, the more likely you can make a price increase and no one's going to really care because they're brought they're bought into Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, you can. There's I mean, there's an interesting psychology to it, because the idea of a brand like, say, Netflix or HBO is so bizarre because it isn't one thing. Right. Right. And, of course, part of this whole Netflix shift is that what they're trying to do is push their own programming because all these other companies have realized, hey, we don't need to pay Netflix to run our stuff. Yeah. We can just run it ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, the technology is pretty simple and everything like that. Yeah. So it's it's turning into just a, you know, the electronic shopping mall that's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And an expensive one. <laughs> Let's introduce our guest. I'm okay. I want to come back to this. Yes. Uh, excited today to have good friend of mine, Charles Baker. Charles, you are a graduation coach, a success coach, a life coach, a physical fitness coach as well. Uh, do a lot of coaching, in charge of a lot of people, giving a lot of advice. <laughs> well, that's that's every, pressure, right? Yeah, every, everyone's yeah. turning to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, who coaches the coach? Uh, my wife. Oh, there we go. There okay. go. That's what I'm that's supposed like, to say. Anything, anytime I can use that Watchmen thing, who watches the Watchmen? Who, watches yeah, the watch? who coaches that's the exactly coach? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, very cool. Um, so, so back to Netflix uh, raising their prices. So, uh, it's it's been announced for a while. It hasn't come out yet, but Disney's essentially going to start competing, running their own platform. So, we're going to see a Disney one soon, which is really interesting because wasn't this the whole point of cable television? Was that you didn't need like individual subscriptions to all the different channels, hmm. and they were going to package them together and then sell it to you at one easy low price, and then it's you know it, so it became bundled. And now it's sort of unbundling itself again, and all of a sudden we're going to have 10 subscriptions to what we want to watch, whether it's CBS and ESPN and Disney and, and Netflix yeah. and Amazon and, and Hulu. And then we're like right in the same predicament that we were uh, 40 years ago. Well, sort of. I mean, the one difference was that, you know, the old model was sort of like if you walked into a grocery store and as soon as you touched the shopping cart, it was full of stuff and you had to buy all of it. Like you didn't mm-hmm. have a choice. You said to buy all of it, take it home, and then figure out what to do with it. And if you didn't eat some of it, that was fine. That was just sure. how it worked, right? <clears throat> and to me, the big breakthrough was always when HBO decided to offer their, you know, their service separately from cable systems, and that kind of 
that kind of started the explosion that blew everything yeah. up. And I think it's going to be interesting is as these, uh, you know, as we see the sort of the fragmentation of all their channels having it, the prices can't continue to climb, right? Like Netflix can only raise its price a couple different times. Eventually, as there's more options in the market, everything has to be driven back down. Yeah, and what's the tipping point? Like, right. how how high can you get before people are like, no, nah, it's okay. Yeah, your or, movies aren't that great. Or, or <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm paying for fifteen of them all of a sudden, you know, like like my threshold is still whatever I'm paying for cable, sixty bucks a month, or something right. something like that, right? Where it's like I'm I'll maybe pay three to five dollars per subscription, but I'm not going to pay more than that. Yeah, but you do end up with like a bunch of subscriptions is kind of the thing. And then the ta- that's the problem that we have right now is our tally is right. you know, because you have to include all of the other, you know, media subscriptions that you're involved in. So Spotify, sure. you know, and, and they just they just all add up to a rather striking total. God, I don't so. know if they have this, but they need to have like an app that literally you put your credit card into it and it pays everything for you. So you don't have to go through like, <laughs> like a bill pay, but for your, for your subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of, um, there's this, uh, email, uh, again, it's a service for email called unroll.me and it, you can give it your email credentials and it will tell you all of the emails that you're subscribed to It'll basically like search through your email and say, you've got 150 subscriptions. You know, if you want to unsubscribe to, to J crew and, and Whatever it is now, like go ahead and go ahead and do it directly from this. I think Are we're shameful this, ones. Yeah, we're, yeah, I mean, mine's just J Crew. Right, right. Uh, and that's gonna, you know, that, that's gonna be something that we're gonna need for all the subscriptions that yeah. we have as well. Gosh, it's crazy. But we can remain ignorant too. We can just not know. And then the, the weird emails show up, and you're like, I don't think I ever signed up to that. And of course, you did at some point. Yeah. Click something that said, Yes, I want to subscribe to all of your detritus that floats out of your digital people. It says user agreements. Yeah. Get you every time. Yeah. 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 Um, well, what, what have you been watching over the break? We're, we're back. We're, uh, let's, let's admit that we're a little bit late on this first podcast of the year. We're three weeks in. Yeah. Whatever New Year's resolution you had, it's been blown by now, right? No, well, no, no. I'm still sticking to mine. I'm going I'm to stick to it forever. I'm going to be taller by the end of 2019. Love it. That's my commitment. What yeah. about you? It, 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 how do you grade taller? Uh, well, there's where I am now, and like, there's where I am at the end of the year. Did you do a pre and post really test? Simple. Did you go to your uh, no, doctor? No, no, it's doctor. just a simple, it's a simple <laughs> mathematical little line on the wall where it says this is me. Now, what I haven't figured out is can I afford an implant of an additional lumbar spine <laughs> to right. get my, you know, get my you legs You just got to put that heel piece in the bottom <laughs> of your shoe. That's the way to do it right there. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to do it. So, Charles, what was yours? Did you do you do these things? You know, we my, my wife and I have gone to this um, kind of a... Um, a resolution where we try and we, we always go on and end up going on a road trip, whether it's the late summer or for this, um, here recently we went over the, the break to go see my folks in Georgia. Um, and we decided that we were going to have family goals or family resolution. And so I think we had some, we want to do some more camping, some more outdoor stuff. Cause we did that with the kids and they really enjoyed it. Um, and then we have our own personal ones. We got our financial goals and all that kind of stuff or, or what we're hoping to, to achieve with that. Um, so for me personally, I think it's just to stay above, <laughs> above the water. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny we say you, you, you're doing this late and in my mind, I'm thinking, no, we're doing this right on time. Cause, cause I move like when school is in session, yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, okay, now, now the new year is starting or the new semester is starting. And so I think that, yeah, I can't believe it's, we're already almost done with January. 
Yeah. Well, in 2019, and I've only written 19 like 10 times so far. And yeah. Usually that's how I gauge how far in the year I've gone. Yeah. I have to tell you, so. the, first, the first day of actually officially being back, and this inevitably happens, I had the Pretenders song back on the chain gang in my head over and over again all day. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those funny things where it's in your head and you kind of go through it. And then at about 6 o'clock in the evening, you go, why is that song stuck in my head? I was like, oh, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, I happen to get metaphors. Yeah, the, 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 the back to school jingle from Adam Sandler. Sings, oh my gosh! Uh, in my head, usually the first week, uh, it's 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 what I have to work with. But so, so, what did you resolve for 2019? I don't, I don't see. See, this is the thing. Of course, Charles the coach is going to beat us on resolutions. Yeah, of course, yeah. He's like, oh well, naturally, you know, I want to be a little uh, less nice my, this my, year. My yeah. family and financial goals that we're going to hit. You know, we, we plan to hit those by hey, Q3. We all can be perfect. It's okay. We all can be perfect. <laughs> Uh, so no, I don't. I don't think I have. Some, one thing I did do last year was I did a one second of video a day, and that uh, was the coolest video that on the was That astounding. was awesome. I, he, in fact, you, well, let's put a link to yeah, that well, online yeah. because it, it is fantastic. It's great, and I'm in it for one second, which is hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> but yeah. it's but it's but it really is. You know, it's kind of like I mean, it makes us all feel terrible, of course, because we wish that we would do that, right? right. Because it's an totally. amazing record, and your kids are so sweet, and the, all the family stuff—it's just beautiful. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Um, and it was—I had—I—I—I I, I came really close to quitting, like around like August or September, um, and I don't know what it was. I guess it's just you've—you've—you've you've filmed so many things. It's like how you know how much more can I do? And some of it's monotonous, and you know a lot of it's family, which that—that that was what was cool to me is that's a side of a, a side of my life that a lot of people don't see who know me outside of my house right like other than my family you know if you run into me on campus or another you know other other places uh, that I frequent like you're not gonna probably know like this like this vantage point that I get you know the privilege to see every single night when I get home and so that was that was really cool but it is hard to hard to, to keep up with so I did post that I did have 365 videos um, you do watch the seasons change and, you know, you like, and then you look at it all from, you know, stand back and watch it and, and try to find themes. And one of my big themes is I go to a lot of birthday parties, you know, <laughs> having little girls. Like there's a lot of happy birthday singing videos. With them there. There's a lot of outdoor venue yeah. music stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I included, you know, a lot of, a lot of the music stuff and, you know, interesting weather. I mean, you know, saw rain and snow and, and random weather that we had last year too. So, uh, it was, you know, it's, it's fun to put together. And then all, of course, all the trips. And I think like my, my travel last year was probably the least that I've done in the last five years, but I hit like all the big places. So, so New York, LA, uh, and then Italy. And then I had one, one conference I went to in Nashville. So it was like, you know, like every, all the, all the good all the good stuff's in there so that was cool to kind of see uh, compiled too it's mm -hmm. fun it's fun I, I recommend when I, first, when I first saw those videos that people would make of their kid they'd shoot them every day for years yeah and I was they're just they're you know jaw dropping it's just amazing to see the you know things things that given different technological situations you'd never be able to see yeah you know and I and I wasn't planning on doing it again but everyone really liked the video so it's like I, you know it, and it becomes habitual really quickly yeah. just to know sort of when to when to pull it out and catch something random or 
hanging out with the kids. Well, it's a, it's a kind of a funny cultural thing. It's sort of like when people pull out cameras. Yeah. Like when is it okay to do that? Well, the other thing, I mean, and we've talked about this before, but also just posting it to social media. It, it allowed me to resist immediately wanting to post something, right? That like I wasn't looking for likes or comments or sort of, you know, being being uh, driven by, uh, you know, the, the dopamine hit that I'm going to get from posting it online because I'm, I, it's, it's, it's for me and I'll post it eventually, you know, but I'm not going to post every picture I take of my kids now or whatever. I can, I can kind of keep that tucked away and not worry about sharing everything at all times. So. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to think about doing it, you know, if this becomes like a ritualistic thing, every year you do it, you start thinking about a different theme. Yeah, you know, it's like, right. I mean, God, there's so it's endless. I mean, there's so many things that you could, you could do. Yeah. But, but I mean, just kind of like getting a snapshot, like you said, into someone's life that people don't see every day. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see what your role, what I appreciated about your video was there's a lot of videos that you watch now, whether it's social media or YouTube or whatever. And you're like, what the hell did I just watch? That was yeah. a waste of three minutes right. of my life. And those 365 <laughs> seconds that you had, I was like, that was badass. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, yeah. and then again, it's like you were saying, it, it, you just wish like, ah, I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. Now I don't have the discipline to do that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's, and it's something that. You know, I, I'll always tell myself, oh, I'm going to I'm going to do something cool like that. And I'm not creative enough, unfortunately, to come up with those types of things. Yeah. But it was it was it was neat to see a snapshot into your life that you're right. Not everybody sees. Nobody sees. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance, like I last year is probably the first year I really started cooking at all, you know, and there's lots of like cooking videos. You know, and there are things that I was making along mm-hmm. the way, whether it was dinners or meal preps or whatever. And so that was, and that's a, something that I would have thought of as a, as a thematic point of 2018. But you know, for me it was, and I can kind of step back and see that, which is crazy. So recommend there's yeah, and I use an app to compile it. I mean, I just film with the camera, but there's an app called uh, one second every day or one SE uh, mm-hmm. that people can find. And it allow basically what it allows you to do is take a, take a, you know, video, put it in, find the one second you want and it will date them all. So it does a lot of the hard work as to compiling it. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking because of the, I was talking about the death of vine with some of my students Oh yeah, because there are these compilations of vine videos, (laughs) but for people where vine is just like too long, (laughs) that's just too much time. The second day is where you want to land. Yeah. I I had someone to tell me that they're like, you know, until I, I I watched your video and I realized like one second's a long time, you know, like like you can get in a lot in within just one second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned that in the CrossFit world. (laughs) One second is a long time. (laughs) Yes, it is. Pain and time have an inverse relationship. That's right. right. (laughs) Um, So students are back. Uh, I, can you walk us through a little bit about, you know, maybe how would you, how do you describe what you do to your family? And then how do you describe what you do to someone work, working within higher ed? You know, like what, 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 how do you describe what you do? And then maybe what's a day look like for you? Sure. So I am a graduation coach. Um, I've been in this position for about seven years now. Um, let me give a little background cause it doesn't, it's just an interesting part of the story, I guess. So I have both. I have two degrees from OU. I have a bachelor's in geology uh, with emphasis in paleontology, and then I did my master's here as well uh, in vertebrate paleontology, where I studied uh, fossil bat teeth, and which goes really well with life coaching, right? Um, <laughs> so I was working at the Sam Noble Museum um, underneath a grant program 
that took uh, high school um, and middle school kids out on real science, real field science stuff. So they would go out and get to dig in the dirt for fossils. And we took them to Utah one year for a week in the summer and just, you know, wanted to really kind of spark that science buzz for, for, for those, for those kids. Um, and it was, it was a great program. I was really honored to be a part of it and, and to be able to work with it, but it was time for a change. Um, you know, I was in my mid twenties and realized I wasn't, um, being, uh, I wasn't thriving. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a good situation for me. I'm not what I thought it was going to be. So I got lucky and, and this opportunity kind of, uh, fell into my lap. My wife already uh, worked here on campus. So we had some connections and, and got in touch and talked to the right people. And it, it just kind of coaching has become um, this natural thing to me. And, and really, it's I'm fortunate to be in the position I am because I just get to talk to people all, all day <laughs> and ask a lot of really good questions. At least I think they're good questions um, and get some really great conversations from students. So what I do is I meet with a certain uh, set of students that will come in through the summer to do their uh, summer enrollment for the fall. And these students have been um, chosen by recruitment um, to a recruitment and, and um, um, what am I trying to say? admissions, that they would be a good fit for our program, which is called the Sooner Success Program. And it's a meet every three weeks, two to three weeks, with a student on the regular, so in the fall and the spring semester. And I like to tell people that are unfamiliar, we talk about life. There are a lot of things that that we could talk about every day, like teach you how to study, teach you how to manage your time, um, those type of things, which a lot of incoming freshmen need. I know I needed it when I was a freshman. Um, and we do talk about those things, but it ends up kind of being like, <clears throat> how, how do you handle life when it slaps you in the face? Uh-huh. These students haven't ever been on their own as much as they think they might have. The vast majority of them have not been on their own and life slaps them in the face big time. Yeah, there's also this idea, I think, that um, going to college is something everybody does right. and everybody's familiar with it. And of course, we have a lot of first generation students here mm-hmm. on our campus and they're in a different world. Entirely. Yeah, and, and, and we're fortunate in our program to have uh, Tiffany Bates, who is her primary focus is first-gen students, and she's wonderful. Um, you know, she was a first-gen herself and really relates to, to first-gen students, and we've done come leaps and bounds with first-gen students, and I think that that's, that's important because that's only going to grow, especially being here in Oklahoma. You get yeah. a lot of first-generation students. That's yeah. so – and the idea of that is like um, – I'm going to sound – I'm, and I'm not a te- technically a patriotic person, but that to me is like just central to our idea of ourselves as a culture is that this is something that everybody should have access to mm-hmm. and the barriers need to drop. And particularly at a public institution like ours, it's just something that gives people an opportunity to to, to do things that otherwise, you know, you're sort of like learning all of how to be a person up until then. And then you're you're able to figure out how big the world actually is. Right. Or what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where a lot of freshmen, especially start coming into their own. You know, they 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 find and learn things about themselves that they didn't even realize was possible or that they didn't think um, they were like 
for lack of a better term. And I think that that's one of the interesting things that in these conversations with freshmen that I've had over the years is, you know, oh, this is way different than I thought it was going to be. And people's perceptions when they come into something are so different than when you actually live it, yeah. for sure. Is it, what you see with freshmen, is it cyclical to some sense? It's, it's a bit of a leading question because I, I, when I think of my own personal story coming to college, I kind of always called it um, the like the summer camp effect where like you come in, uh, everything feels like, you know, a summer camp party for a couple of weeks and all of these social activities and everything sort of gets stripped away from you and midterms kind of come around. And that, that just crushed me the first time that I did it, that it gets, starts to get cold, you know, like sort of the, the, the first feelings of football season, kind of the shininess of that wears off and it feels like really exhausting. Winter is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, you know, that, that to me was my first big hurdle of college was getting through midterms, realizing sort of the, the seriousness of higher education. Um, and it, I, I feel like even I, I came really close to leaving uh, undergrad, you know, more so at that point than any other point. And it was sort of after I got off that, that was the hurdle that I needed to get through and I could, I could push through the rest of it and understood the, you know, the, uh, the schedule. But yeah, all that to say is, like, do you see sort of patterns where you meet someone in the summer and you're sort of doing this for seven years, geared up for probably what's to come, or, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, kind of know when things are going to start to happen for a student themselves. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that we talk about as grad coaches is the beauty of being able to have the same conversation with seven students in one day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they look a little bit different, but you're talking about the same things. Um, what are some of those, what, like what, what's an example of some of those conversations that happen? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, like midterm time, Yeah, you know, there, there's that first slap in the face if they if they didn't already have one. Sure. Um, so it's, you know, a lot for a lot of us, the conversation is, all right, let's talk about how to bounce back from a bad paper or a bad whatever that you had. And I think that, um, that conversation looks really different from semester to semester. The, that conversation in the fall semester is going to be completely different than that conversation in the spring semester. Um, so you definitely see patterns. A lot of students struggle with the same things that we as adults struggle with. Uh, procrastination, managing our time, prioritizing, being effective in what we do. Um, and I think that as an 18 year old coming into college, your priorities are different than, you know, someone in their mid thirties, forties, who's working on their career, but there are vast and, and very, um, complex similarities to, to all of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it just depends on, you know, the situation that a student is in. Um, and I think it's for, for me as a coach, and I'm not going to speak for the coaches, but it's trying to find that underlying, well, what, what's really going on? You know, you're, you're missing a lot of class and it's not because you can, there's something else that's going on or you are, you, you're feeling like you're not learning things cause you don't feel stimulated or you're not intrigued or, or passionate about this class. Well, neither is everybody else that's in this particular class that they don't like or have to take. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's also that that motivation aspect that we try and try and help. Yeah, them in with. some ways, like it's like confronting. You just have to do it. You know, yeah, it's you just, do. Yeah, you yep. just have to drag yourself through this not pleasant experience, and you'll be a better person on the other end. Totally, but it'll hurt in the meantime. Yeah, and, and I always I always try and coach them to and to to tell them, you know, listen, this is. Do you, you think you're always going to like every aspect of your job or career? 
No. And if you do, I want that job. Yeah. I love my job. I love what I do. I love being able to work with students. I am, and you know, in fact, you know, I'll go on like a, a week long vacation and I love every aspect of my vacation, but I'm ready to come back to work. I'm ready mm-hmm. to see my, my working family is what we call each other. And we always want to hear about how everyone else is doing. So I'm fortunate in that sense, but it's not always great because then you'll have a student who will come in and just drop some bombs on you. And it's just, yeah. you know, and, and we, we always flex our empathy muscles really high in this job. And it's, and you Carry know, that you, with you. Yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. You do. You have to come home and then you, it's just hard. Some days are very hard. So, but, and, but I tell my students, you can't think that it's always going to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies because it's not, there will be even months where you hate your job years where you hate your job, but, you know, hopefully there's something that's keeping you there. You're being passionate about it, knowing that you have to have this class and that you need to get through it to get to where you want to be or should be. That should be enough to help you get through that class. There's a, there's kind of an interesting cultural transition going on right now between sort of what the collection of beliefs that people had about the millennials as a generation and now what I guess by default we're calling Gen Z. Mm-hmm. That's that's more or less the generation now who are kind of taking a different approach. Do you are you seeing anything that are signs across the people you're talking about? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's there. It, it's so it's so funny to me um, being an observer of social media aspects or things. How quickly we fall into stereotypes. And it's like, well, millennials do this or, oh, those millennials. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, you know, we have this conversation a year from now. And we're like, those Gen Zers, yeah. you know, yeah. I tell you, <laughs> they do this, this and this. or And people are making parody songs and people are doing this, that and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been a it's been a learning curve for for me specifically um, in terms of being able to relate to students. You know, I'm 36 years old. I'm not too far from college, but I still find every year, you you know, it's like Matthew McConaughey says in in Days and Confused, you know, I keep getting older, but they say the same age. Well, that is the (laughs) truth, you know, and and every year I get a little bit further apart and a little more distant. You know, I, I always tell people that ask me, well, how are you going to do this forever? And I say, no, I, I think that there's a statute of limitations in terms of your age, Mm-hmm. To where you can relate, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna be 60 years old and talking to an 18 year old on how to thrive in college. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no 18 year old is gonna listen to yeah. me, as yeah. cool as I think I am. <laughs> I, I was one of the, I guess, one of the first waves of millennials to go to college, and I remember um, when, when coming through enrollment and some of the things that they were talking about, particularly to parents th- during the enrollment, was like the term millennial was was new. That like, they were informing them that like your, your, you know, your student is part of what we're calling the millennial generation. And one thing that we're seeing with the millennial generation is what we call helicopter parents, you know, who kind yeah, of kind like hover over. Being kind of older, parents were not there. They were just sure. they were not part yeah. of the equation then. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the term that I'm hearing with Gen Z is not helicopter parents, but lawnmower parents. It's like snowplow, basically, yeah. snowplow, lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so the idea of sort of, you know, creating the path, you know, ahead of the student to sort of walk through. Um, and having students within uh, public schools now myself and seeing some of the things that we have privilege to that my parents didn't. Like, for instance, I can log on 
at any point and see sort of the grades of my kids. You know, I mean, real time updates of where they are. It's not like a, a report card type deal anymore, although we will get those and we'll have sort of the, the traditional parent teacher conferences. But I mean, I, I can have so so much oversight as to what's happening. And obviously that, that no longer exists when they get to higher ed, but that is a transition that I think parents have to, will have to go through as well is sort of knowing, I, knowing that they had full control, you know, of what, what their kid was doing. And, they, well, and I, I they, think that, and you might not be surprised to know this, but I think there's a lot of parents that have their little fingers and toes in a lot of what these kids do. Yeah. I, I, I know for a fact that I have had parents answer my emails to students before. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's so creepy to me because it, is. it just it seems like it's inevitably headed toward the implants, right? Where you're, you know, I, I again talking to students in my classes sometimes. So, what if your parents had decided to chip you? How would you have felt about that? You know, yeah. like universally mm-hmm. pretty creepy. I said, well, what do you think your cell phone is? You know, yeah. yeah. And, well, yeah. And, and to what end? I mean, if you are answering your students' college email, I mean, what what point do you give that up? Right? Like they can't they can't do it forever, and you're 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 only you're only hindering them long term. From- yeah, I mean, I, I feel as a parent, you want to help your children. Um, but there's a point where, I mean, like when I when I came to college, it was me and my car. My parents were like, have a good time. Yeah. I mean, that was literally, and I'm at the tail, I'm at, I was born in 82. So I like, some people would consider kind me a millennial. Yeah. Some people would consider me right before then. The Zennials. The Zennials. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, I like that. That's good. Um, so, and it was nothing against my parents. It's not like they were being like, you know, rude or anything. They just said, go, go do your thing. And I was, I, I felt like I was pretty independent in high school and stuff. So, but, but now it's like, yeah, I get, I, I get a call from a parent probably once a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not necessarily bad all the time, but I still get a call from a parent. Um, and and to, to what extent do you sort of pull the FERPA card or kind of say like there are th- some things I can't talk about? Well, if, or, they, if they ask me something specifically, yeah. like what are my kids' grades and I don't have a FERPA sure. form, then, oh, yeah, I mean, it's FERPA all the way. Yeah. Um, we should probably explain what FERPA is for people who don't know. Adam, can you... It's a ba- so basically, you know, by federal law, we are once you are considered an adult, um, you are in control of your essentially your data and your output within the school itself. We cannot release any of that to to parents just by request in the same way that you could, you know, if you were under eighteen. Right, unless so, the student says it's okay to right, do that. Right. So, so it's up to the, it's kind of a certain level of self control students have yeah. over their lives. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, how do you, because I think one of the interesting things that's baked into all this is how we think about failure and recovery from failure, because that's, you know, the all of the extra work that parents do to try to essentially make things easier for their kids takes them out of the cycle of failing, learning, and recovering, all of that. That's really important part of it. So do you talk about that issue? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, and, and I love giving the example that well, I, I like to give a lot of metaphors. Um, sports are great metaphors for failure and, and bouncing back from that. Um, but but I also use a personal story where I was in college. Um, for my geology degree, uh, you have to go through four semesters of the engineering calculus. Have I ever used calculus to find dinosaurs? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> just for the record. Um, so I was in, I was actually taking uh, my calculus at a community college. It was a better learning environment for me. Um, and I got a nine on the test. 
uh, out of 100. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things that this instructor did was put your ID numbers up and then your test scores. So everybody in the class saw your grade. They had no idea who it was. But here was this one bunch of numbers and then a nine next to it. And uh, in everybody, in, in me being the, the classic, like, I don't want people to find that it's me. I was like, come on. I got a nine. <laughs> Who is that chump? You know, like trying to be the class clown kind of, you know. Um, well, sh- long story short, uh, they all found out. In fact, some of the some of my friends from that class still call me Niner. Like that was my nickname. <laughs> I got a Niner nickname from that. Um, so I talk about what what did I do? I could have easily given up. I could have withdrawn from the class. I could have just said, all right, I'm just going to cut my losses and 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 quit. Um, and instilled in me from a young age was, you know, you want to, you want to do your best. If that, if you've done your best and you can hold your head high and say that you've done that, then it's okay to quit. Um, and I didn't, I I obviously hadn't. I mean, he literally gave me points for writing my name on the test, (laughs) but nothing else. (laughs) And my name only has seven letters. So I don't know where nine came from, but he worked with me. He helped me bounce back. The instructor did. And for me, it's it's talking about what, what you learn from your failure is so much more important than what you learn from your successes. And that's where those sports analogies come in. Do you do it? Does a team or an athlete learn more from a win where they just slaughter them or more from where they get slaughtered? And, and it's always the loss. You know, you aren't going to go and prep for your rival. And then when you get slaughtered, just say, well, that worked. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn from it. You're going to change your tactics. And I think it's the same idea in in trying to bounce back from a failure. If you studied for here's a classic one from students. Well, I studied seven hours for that test. Okay. well, when did you study? How did you study? What did you study? And what would you do differently? Knowing what you know now. Well, I'd study 10 hours. Okay. So I scratched my head and I said, what do you hope that accomplishes? If you studied seven hours and you're feeling like you did now and you just, you thought you just had everything and then you got in and you had a brain fart and everything went out your head, just like water at your ears. What is three extra hours going to accomplish? What do you Uh hope that's going to accomplish? And some students will be like, well, I, well, I would do this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, oh, so you have a plan of what to do within those three hours. Great. Now you're starting to get to where we need to be, uh-huh. right? So I think for a lot of students in this generation, it's having to deal with this failure themselves. You know, we talked about parents, and I think there are a lot of parents that would step in um, in high school uh, calling teachers, um, and now they call their grad coaches. Uh-huh. And and say, you know, um, well, little Jimmy doesn't, doesn't, you know, didn't this and this and this happened or that and that and that. And I think for students, they don't get used to it um, and they would probably never admit or condone to it, but it still happened. And there might be some subconscious expectation of them thinking that someone's going to step in on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And I have to, and I have to show them, look, you're stepping in on your own behalf you have to bounce back from this. It's not the other way around. And sometimes that's a tough pill for a lot of students. What, as well. yeah, so how do they, I mean, how do they take to getting this kind of being involved in this discussion? Like, are they open to it or do you have to kind of work on them to get them to be open to this it? This is going to sound callous, but I really don't care if they're open or not. I, I pride myself on being real with my students. If a student comes in and they shit the bed, I'm going to tell them you shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that ironically, uh, these students, they they thrive on someone talking real to them. 
um, they're like, I did. You know, or they'll, yeah. they'll be like, it's like a light bulb going off. They're like, you're right. I did. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I know I'm face palming like, yeah, well, they probably did. haven't been called out. And, and to yeah. some degree, it feels you, you feel appreciated mm-hmm. to, or, you know, appreciative to know that someone's actually calling you on the floor on something like because because it, it, it's easy in a in a classroom of a hundred or 500, you know, some of these freshman classes to feel faceless and like a number. And then all of a sudden someone's just calling you out on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that, that feels good. You feel like you exist finally. Yeah. You know, and, and I think for, for the conversation where, okay, we've put everything that's real on the table and now you understand it. And these are conversations that I know they've had with themselves in their head. They feel dumb. They feel beaten. They feel defeated. They f- they're having those thoughts of like, maybe college isn't right for me. Yeah. This was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I think for me, I feel, and I've told my students this before, college is a privilege, not a right. We're getting to the point where if students feel or people feel that college is this this right that I have to go to college, which I, I in, in a sense, I, I understand that argument. But then it's they should be here and they're not going to push themselves because they deserve to be here as opposed to I have. a This is a real privilege to be able to be here and learn these things that I wouldn't learn anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, like to your example you used earlier, it's like because I felt like I put in the work, therefore I just deserve whatever grade I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think I deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I put in this, the, the seven hours that I feel like mm-hmm. was necessary. Right. Like that's, a, that's the commodity. Input and output. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to transition real quickly uh, to physical fitness. So the, the, the way that I originally met Charles was through uh, through a CrossFit local CrossFit gym here uh, in Norman. Uh, going on my third year doing this now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be, it'd be looking good, by the way. I saw, thank you. I saw a little peak of some abs yesterday. I saw them. <laughs> they're, I saw gonna, them. they're on their way. They're on their way. I saw them <laughs> slowly but surely. Um, but um, you know, I wanted to know. I mean, those are it's it's fantastic how much you, I feel like both of those worlds are connected to you. Like you're just, you're kind of going in and out, but you're also balancing you know two jobs essentially while while doing this as well. How did you how did you get into that world? Um, yeah, great question. Um, uh, f- well for me, so uh, back in high school, uh, I was a heavier, I was a, I was a chunky kid. Um, I, as we say, sometimes fluffy or round, um, the heaviest I ever was, was like t- between 240 and 260. And I was always kind of like a, uh, just wanted to work out. I always wanted to be like the big, strong guys, like, and, and I played tennis in high school and we would always work out with the wrestlers. And so I was always envious of working out with the wrestlers until we had to work out with the wrestlers. <laughs> and then I was like, this is terrible. Um, and, and so I wasn't overtly athletic. It wasn't like a natural transition for me. For, um, for me, it was like, oh, I feel like I want to lose some weight and kind of have a lifestyle change besides just going to the gym for two hours or whatever. Um, and I landed on CrossFit looking up some stuff on how to eat better. Um, and a lot of people uh, were already kind of culty about CrossFit. Um, and so it was just a natural fit for me. And I went and tried it at a, at a gym here and loved it. I mean, it just wrecked me. You know how probably your first workout oh, yeah. was. It just wrecked me. Um, and so I've been doing CrossFit for, gosh, almost 10 years now. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's definitely a, it's just part of my life now. Um, it, it's not, I don't consider it working out. I consider it something else that I'm going to, um, it's like part of my day. Um, and so I, I feel I'm pretty fortunate to be able to be in that position. And it took a long time to do that. There are times that I would take off a month here or a month there. And I think part of what I naturally, you know, 
have an inclination towards is not helping other people, but just connecting with humans. I love human connection. That that to me is what I'm passionate about. And that, that CrossFit coaching world or some sort of sport coaching world is a real opportunity to change people. And when, when people come in, whether it's a New Year's resolution or just in general, and they say, I want to lose all this weight or I want to have a lifestyle change that's really going to help me play with my kids more or something along those lines. I just get jazzed about that. That's so exciting to me and I want to make it fun. And, and I, I, you know, we, we talked about in the CrossFit world, we want that hour that they come into our gym to be the best hour of their day. That's our goal. Um, not to get them fit, not to get them shredded, which is great. That's a good, you know, kind of like a collateral, but it ends up kind of being more of like, we just want to be the best part of that day. Yeah. And to explain CrossFit to those who don't know, I mean, there's, I think there's this perception of what CrossFit is, which depending on how much you've, you've seen of it, you might think of it as something that's incredibly dangerous, or you might think of it something that's a athletic sport, you know, because uh, a lot of what you see is Netflix documentaries on, on the CrossFit game. <laughs> Sure. And and that's you know a, a I don't know a fantasy of what maybe CrossFit could become, but just the you know can you give sort of a simple definition, maybe not the definition of CrossFit, okay. but how do, how do you explain uh, how what makes CrossFit different than a normal type of workout? I feel that CrossFit allows you to be a better moving human being. That's a very, very broad and very basic definition. Um, we, we always talk or tout about functional fitness. Um, you know, you don't want to throw your back out doing something or doing this or doing that. Um, and that stuff happens all the time, even to people who have done CrossFit for years. Um, but I think it's where CrossFit has an advantage over just going to the gym and getting some work done is the community aspect. So the people like you or whomever that come in and just kind of get hooked and just love it. And it's, and everything's a class. It's not like you're not like a one-on-one type trainer. Everything sort of happens within an hour increment of a, of a, you know, a class from size five to 20 or something. somewhere Yeah. 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 Or 20 right now. Yeah. I was going to say they're even bigger now, (laughs) you know, new year's resolutions. Right. (laughs) Um, so I think just, I, I, I would really, you know, kind of dumb it down to helping you be a, a better human. You know, my, I, my happiness is better. My stress levels are low. Um, it, I do look forward to being in the gym a lot and not because I, you know, want to, you know, get a personal best on a lift, but because I get to see the people that I'm jazzed about seeing. Um, so that community aspect is huge for me. And I think it's huge for a lot of people. Um, there will be people that will want to come in and completely change their bodies. And it's possible with a lot of hard work. Um, and so I think, yeah, you know, it's, it's just like anything else. It it would be like, um, watching an NBA game and then going to a basketball court and expecting to be able to knock down threes like, you know, Curry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just can't do that. So you, you see an, um, a Netflix documentary on CrossFit and these people that make all this lifting obscene amounts of weight super easy. Well, these people are have like they're highly trained specimens. They are, they are professional athletes in the CrossFit world. And if that gets you in the door, awesome. But if you're expecting that after a year, you're dreaming, um, which is, that's, that's nothing wrong with that. But my function or, or my goal is to make you a better human. It's not to, it's not to make you a CrossFit athlete. 
and you teach a lot of the beginners courses, which is, you know, it's how, how I, I knew through the, the, the six week beginners course that you kind of on ramp into what happens on in the regular courses themselves, you know, and how much are you seeing you use the same type of advice that you give to freshmen, you know, on campus that you're giving to, you know, people within that as well. Is there an overlap in sort of what you're doing? Oh yeah. Or, or I'll, or I'll use CrossFit analogies with my students. So that's always pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, people are like, how oh, you do CrossFit? You must be hardcore. It's like, well, I like to tell them I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think it's, I think in the CrossFit world or someone that comes into a gym, I mean, you're having to kind of gel all of these thoughts or these ideas into one quick, maybe 15 second conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I like if, if someone's struggling in the gym or they're just like, I've hit a plateau and I just don't, I, I you know, I haven't lost any weight in, in you know, three weeks and I, I was just killing it there for a while. Um, there are my go-to questions that I would ask them, you know, what are you eating? Um, how are you sleeping? Those types of things. But, but, my real first question is looking them in the eye and saying, well, how are you doing? How's life? Um, and for a lot of them, you'll see a light bulb go on and they'll be like, oh, well, I've been kind of stressed at work mm-hmm. recently and I feel like I haven't been able to have as good a workout as I needed. Um, and it always comes back to that. Like we were saying with students, there's some underlying thing that potentially could be going on that they're, they're being consistent. They're in the gym, which is good. What's what we want them to be. Um, but if we can push past those mental blocks to really kind of help them, you know, jump over that wall and keep going, that's what we want to try and accomplish for sure. You know, one, one recommendation I'd make is to take a look at this video that's online from Caitlin Ahashi. Have you seen this Uh-oh. video? She, there's a, it's a video of a UCLA gymnast and she does a routine and oh, I think uh, is, my wife was, was watching this the other it, night. It's sort of like, you know, like you were talking about the CrossFit um, documentaries and everything. <clears throat> watching her do this routine because there's so much joy and so much beauty in what she does. And there's nothing, there's like, it's almost like there's nothing, you know, weird about how you feel. It's just sort of like, this is an amazing somebody who was totally into this, who's like sort of at their peak, not even in the sport really in ways, because I was reading earlier today that some of what you did in the routines, not even on the way that they think about how these routines are, it got 26 million hits in a week. It's just astounding. And watching it is just this like transcendently beautiful experience. She's so happy and she's so good at what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And um, her coach, it was an interview with a coach on public radio earlier this week who said that apparently she had, you know, really tried to bust it when she was younger and went through all the gymnastic routines and she hated what she was doing and she stopped doing it and then when she went to college she like basically rediscovered it and started over again and it's just a it's just a beautiful thing to yeah, watch. Well, and, and the coach said that because on that same interview, I was, I'm an NPR junkie, so I heard it, too. Uh, she said that, you know, she came to me and she just said, I'm not having any more fun. She was like the American champ, like the world champion or something. She was just at the top of her game. And she's like, I'm not having any fun. I'm burning out. And so the coach said, I just worked on having fun. Mm-hmm. I just worked on her getting the joy back. And the, the, that translates really well to your students you know there's there's a part of them that is here at college or even in the car and even in a fitness world that they at one point enjoyed going to the gym or learning right um as a as a little kid and those curiosities that have a tendency to grow and become something is where the joy is i mean you think about when you were a kid as early back as you can remember all the fun you had like playing outside or all the fun you had of discovering something new that you didn't know yeah 
Um, sounds like you had a dinosaur moment maybe when you oh, were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that sure. sounds like it really sucked you in for it a did, long time. It did. It yeah. did. And it kind of yeah. became an obsession of mine. Yeah. Um, and, and so I followed it. And then, it, you know, life shows you other ways. So you go mm-hmm. in different directions. Yeah. When you, and you kind of put together all these pieces over time. And that's what, what you know, when you see people that have excite when they're excited about all of these things that they're interested in, they learn about, and you can learn about it from them, like by engaging conversation with them. And you find out that they have all of this expertise about something that you knew yep. nothing about. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of a, one of those things that makes me, I think we, we share this like just real joy of being around other people and having those conversations about what they're into. Yeah. Well, so. cool. Well, good conversation. Thanks for coming over. This is way Hanging too optimistic up. for this show. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's not true. Well, I'm glad I could bring something to this show. I tell you. All right. Anything else, Ralph? No, I don't think so. I think uh, hopefully we'll survive another week. And, um, you know, hopefully we've got a – this is a very good starting point, I think, for the 2019 version of Media and the End of the World. So happy to be here. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks Joe. for Appreciate having me, guys. It. This All is right. fun. Take it easy.